G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, 2020 has been a very significant year for so many reasons and as we near the end, anticipating 2021, we might do well to reflect on what's called a crisis of Christian leadership. A number of scandals have arisen around well-known Christian leaders in this past decade that we might do well to draw some lessons from as we approach a new year. And, of course, mindful that accusations are different from convictions. And it's sometimes the case that long-drawn-out proceedings actually determine the innocence of leaders, and reputations are more often than not very fragile. So we're going to touch on a number of high-profile cases today. The most recent, Carl Lentz, the lead pastor of Hillsong Church in New York, who was sacked after revelations of moral failures. Let me go through a few more names here that you might be familiar with. Bill Hybels, dating back a couple of years now, was accused by a group of pastors and staff members of a pattern of sexual harassment and misconduct. Going back a few more years, Mark Driscoll, who led the Acts 29 church planting movement, he was accused of bullying. Dating back to around about the same time, David Yongi Cho, the founder of the world's largest megachurch, was convicted of embezzling $12 million. And then the Singaporean pastor, Kong Hee, of the City Harvest Church, with something like 16,000 members, was accused of misappropriating $50 million of charitable funds. And some of us will know of moral failures that didn't make the headlines the way that these leaders did. Now, scandals are not new. There's been a steady stream of scandals, but let's not forget that the Old Testament of the Bible is full of stories around the scandals that engulfed leaders. So what can we learn from recent scandals? Our special guest today is Carl Fays, a well-known Australian Christian leader and social commentator. He's the CEO of Olive Tree Media, behind the great series Jesus the Game Changer. And Carl is joining us. Carl, welcome along to 2020. Uh, Neil, great to be with you and listeners across Australia. Carl, let's just uh, reflect a little bit, perhaps even philosophically, because we're going to get into a Mm. conversation, and it's a heavy conversation uh, for Christians talking about Christian leaders, but, you know, the kingdom of God has continued to advance through the centuries in spite of a steady stream of moral failures. Uh, God anticipates this sort of stuff happens, so we ought not to be surprised either. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, we're all fallen people, and uh, because we're all fallen, you know, whether we're... uh, Short, we've only been a Christian a short time, we're following Jesus and we've just started going to church, or whether we've been doing it for for ages and years, or we're a key part of a leadership of a church. We, We all struggle, we all have our own brokenness and our own needs, and in the midst of that, failure occurs. And I think the one, I mean, as someone, for people who will know 
uh, about my ministry, perhaps through Olive Tree Media, may not be as aware as I ran a church, a reasonable-sized Baptist church in, in Sydney for 20 years and, and uh, multiple staff and multiple services. And, and you, you kind of recognize that people who come to church have a view of you as a pastor and a view of the leadership of the church and the key staff leadership of the church. And while we know we shouldn't pe- put people on pedestals, we tend to have a we, we tend to do that, Neil. We, we say, look, I'm struggling in my life, but that person has got it all together. And, and as a pastor, you recognize you don't have it all together, actually. And in fact, life can be tough. And past leadership of, of churches and organizations is actually a tough role. And in the middle of that, failure occurs. And, and it's one of those just reminders, Neil, right from the start, that it just demonstrates the humanity of all people, including leaders, pastors, and ministry leaders. Probably for those who do put the leaders on a pedestal, and as you say, it can happen in the local church, it can happen with tele-evangelists. I mean, they're on a pedestal, and uh, these people look larger than life, and and they, as you say, look like they have it all together. So when some sort of accusation arises, uh, the responses can be various, and no doubt from those who do the pedestalizing more, but the idea of shock or anger yeah. or uh, or yeah. the sadness that can come over someone when they recognize that the, the people on the pedestal are not perfect. Uh, we, we respond in different ways, Carl. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Neil, that I think that one of the problems with high-profile leaders, as opposed to, you know, Mr. Pastor who runs a church of 50 people. Now, you run a church of 50 people or 100 people, people know you fairly well, and they normally know that you you're not particularly perfect because that kind of becomes clear over the months and years and they love you for it, Neil. I, you know, anybody that expects a per- perfect pastor is, you know, going to the wrong church. It's, but when you, when you see leaders of a very high profile who, who you don't actually know them, and, and Neil, how do I put this? Church leaders in those roles have a very curated image so, you know, there's a whole bunch of people who mean well in the kingdom of God, but they're actually, they're not projecting a real person. They're projecting an image. They're projecting a, a, a ministry. They're protecting this person. They're protecting the ministry. There's a lot, there's a lot of kind of wheels in the background that need to work. And, and, and the trouble is you then get this curated image, mostly of a person that's not particularly accurate. And I, I don't think that people are just necessarily being completely false. They're just doing the best that they can. So what happens in that situation is that, you know, you get an image of a person which is a very, very long way from what that person is actually like. I want to talk later, Neil, if I can just keep chatting for a minute. Uh, there's, a, there's a book for church leaders, and it's written by a guy from Oxford. And the book's, his name's Simon Walker, and it's called Leading Out of Who You Are. But he, Simon Walker tells a, a story out of his own experience. And while he doesn't mention the name in the book, the person he's talking about is Roy Clements. Now, Roy Clements was a Baptist pastor in, in Cambridge. He, he spoke all over the world, including here in Australia at the Keswick Convention, so Katoomba Convention in here in, it's in, in Sydney, um, and where I am, but also um, Belgrave Heights in Melbourne. He spoke all around the world. He's, he's a brilliant Bible teacher. Uh, Roy Clements in uh, the late 1990s, uh, early 2000, left his wife, left his ministry, left his church and moved in with his gay boyfriend. Now, 
what what Simon Walker talks about is that he was in Roy Clements's church, and there was this sense of Roy Clements had been struggling with this issue for quite a while, but there's not the space to struggle with it publicly, and so leaders are struggling with it privately. And, you know, some of the leaders that all of us look at all the time as high-profile, got it all together, life's going great leaders, sometimes in the background are actually struggling with huge issues. They're not at liberty just to sit, sit around and chat about it publicly. Um, and, and, and so when, it, when the crash happens, uh, Neil, the crash is enormous because what's happening in the background is not what's happening with what everybody sees. And they're, they're, they're in lies the tension there's a big word that people love to use as a weapon against christians uh, the word hypocrite uh, hypocrisy a huge huge issue and uh, oftentimes the pastor who's behind the pulpit uh, is helping people get their lives on track to following christ and when those sorts of challenges come and there's uh, all sorts of uh, things, conviction comes, and, and it's the idea of helping people to align to follow Jesus. Uh, but what yes. it does is expose hypocrisy. So when it comes the other way, people are really happy to use that word. Uh, hypocrite, you said yes. this and you did that the yes. wrong. And, and there is a sense here, and uh, you know, just, uh, just in a certain level of, uh, I hope, humility, we're all in this boat together. Everybody who is a Christian is going to be accused of hypocrisy and the likelihood is that the accusation is in some sense true because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What are your thoughts around the accusation that people bring when there is a fallen leader? Look, I mean, and I can understand that because I, in one of the names, I won't mention it, but one of the names that you had talked to who has, has kind of, fallen out of their leadership role because of the accusations brought against them, which were proved to be accurate. Um, I, I had listened to that leader and read some of these books on a, on a number of occasions, and it just seems that the, the behaviour that was talked about was diametrically, Neil, opposed to what he said a leader should do and be in their private world. And you do wonder, you look at that, you do wonder how you hold those two things together. But often, you know, I think what often happens in leadership, and I, I know this from leading a church and doing some public ministry, um, one of the things that Simon Walker talks about is the front of stage and the back of stage, Neil. The front of stage is what everybody sees. This is, this is actually from a guy called Irvin Gottman who wrote this in the 1960s about life and leadership. So it wasn't necessarily a Christian idea. And Simon Walker picks this up. And he says, the front of stage is what everybody sees. The back of stage is what we're talking about the Roy Clements is what everybody's struggling with. And, and the problem that we have is that leaders talk on front of stage with what, what they're expected to talk about. And, and they do it well and they communicate it really well. The trouble is that, that not all of us, all of us are hypocrites in the sense that we don't live out what we say completely. Everybody does that. And, and uh, there's, there's examples in the political world right now across the globe where people are doing that. They're saying in the pandemic, do this, and then suddenly they're caught out doing the diametric, the opposite thing. So everybody lives with this tension. And, and the disappointing thing is when people are really clear on the front of stage about how we should behave, and yet on the back of stage, they're doing something completely different. Now, imagine the tension for that person, Neil. Like, you know, we should never, while we can be critical of those people, and, and probably rightly so, imagine the kind of 
and they call it cognitive dissonance. Isn't that a great word, Neil? Cognitive yeah. dissonance. Yep, hit us a few more big words. Yep. Yeah, the, the cognitive is your mind, dissonance is this, this sort of tension. And the whole tension of knowing you need to say this, but personally you are doing this. I, I, frankly, I don't know how people do it, but yet we all do it to a certain degree. None of us actually live out completely what we say we believe, and it's a struggle. And I think that all no one, no one should be saying, okay, well, therefore, you embezzled money or misused money or was a bullying leader. We don't mind. It's okay. We're all hypocrites. So we, we, are, we all are called to a standard we need to live to. But the, 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 the uh, accusation of um, hypocrisy is one that's clear, but we shouldn't be surprised because we all sit in the same boat. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talk back line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Carl Fays, well-known Australian Christian leader, social commentator, and we're touching on some pretty deep issues today and sensitively talking about the idea that sometimes leaders have moral failures. And uh, we've named a, a few of those well-known cases over the years, and we can talk about some more of those. Carl, before we do talk about any particular names and cases that some listeners will be aware of, and some it'll be news to them, it'll be like, oh, that sounds like breaking news, even though it happened a long time ago. But, but the idea of talking about sexual failure is only one element. There are a number of different elements that we can talk about here. What are your thoughts for the variety of things that can go wrong for a Christian leader? Yeah, and you know why the, the sexual element is that it, it, you know, the press love it. So the, the press get on board with that story as fast as they can. And we will talk about Carl Lentz a bit more, and that, that's just got enormous press globally and part of that is that it's got to do with uh, um, sexual immorality but you know there are many other ways and 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 uh, you know the, we mentioned uh, Carl Driscoll who was sorry Mark Driscoll not Carl Mark Driscoll who headed up the Acts 29 church planning movement and he was put aside out of the role because of his bullying and controlling behavior now Neil what's really interesting is just this year uh, the, um, uh, somebody else who took over that ministry from Mark Driscoll, there was, there was a leader in between them, a guy called Steve Timmons, was also uh, taken out of the role for bullying and intimidation and, and controlling behaviour. Now, that's it's just crazy that in one organisation, you know, and Steve Timmons was on the board when Mark Driscoll was, was taken out of the role, and now here we are, a few five years later or so, he gets taken out of the role as well. So, you know, that, that notion of bullying and, and um, control and inappropriate interaction with people. But then there's the whole issue of money. And, and uh, we, money is a huge issue. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of as alluring as it were, it seems, as sexual immorality, the gaining of enormous amounts of money for people in leadership roles. And, and that has got to do with, A, the greed and avarice of the person in the leadership role, but Neil, it's also got to do with the poor accounting and processing of the organisation and the ministry. So, you know, in some ways, sexual immorality becomes a sort of a personal choice. It's fairly hard to follow somebody around all the time to, to check what they're doing. You know, if somebody is misappropriating or misusing $50 million, that's an organisational problem. Now, it might be the issue of the leader in, in, 
in their greed and avarice and behaviour and, and kind of motivations. But the organisation, where is somebody asking, where's this money going? Why are you using it this way? What is the accounting that several million dollars can be appropriated? So you, you, we've got to realise that in some of these situations, especially around governance, finances, bullying and poor leadership, that it's not just the leader that's at fault. There's actually a problem with the organisation. Sometimes we can draw attention to a scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And uh, it says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. And sometimes the paraphrase on that, and you'll be so familiar with this sort of thing too, Carl, uh, girls, gold and glory. Uh, is one of those things that comes up in a in a leader's uh, conversation about conducting your life, and uh, and those do pose problems uh, yeah. for leaders. And sometimes people yeah. have even added an extra one in there: girls, gold, glory, and golf. And uh, so, and and no doubt the way the way leaders spend their spare time too. I mean, there's so many things yeah. can go wrong, and so many things to always keep in check. Look, and the other thing is, I go back to that book by Simon Walker, um, leading out of who you are. I mean, he, he actually talks about three major issues for, for leaders in Christian ministry. And one of them is unmet emotional needs. And a lot of people go into Christian ministry and they, they are very talented, Neil, like brilliantly talented people. But their talent doesn't actually cover their unmet emotional needs. And they want to be liked. They want to be um, appreciated. They, 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 they want their ego soothed and smoothed. And, and the ministry role with people almost like gives you a, a, an opportunity to, to meet your unmet emotional needs in inappropriate ways. And, and there's, there's that disconnect. It would be wonderful that if every talented person was at heart a good and godly person. But that's not the case. In fact, some of the most talented people are also some of the most broken. And, and, and as Simon Walker says, unmet emotional needs means that you are, you are using your role not to serve the church or serve the kingdom. Unfortunately, what happens is you use your role to serve yourself and meet those emotional needs that you've had all of your life. And it's, it's um, as you say, you know, it's, whether it's the, the lust in the flesh or the, 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 the lust for money, it, it, you know, tragically with, within ministry organisations, those things are able to be pursued and are often not well um, covered by organisations. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Peter, who is in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Peter. Welcome along. Yeah, morning, guys. Um, very touchy, touchy subject. Um, I just want to leave one comment, make one comment. You can say what you like after that. Um, Jesus genealogy. Okay, Jesus' genealogy and uh, full of a lot of imperfect people. I think that's what you're saying here, Peter. Your thoughts around Jesus' genealogy, Carl? Absolutely. Peter's right. I mean, you know, there's there's some pretty interesting people in that list, in, including Rahab the prostitute, uh, four women in the list, um, and, and, and Peter's right. But it really goes to the point of... It doesn't mean to say that because these people 
where in the genealogy of Jesus, their behaviour is something that we all think is okay. You know, it's 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 there's this notion that we're all we're all made right with Jesus because of the grace of God. We are we are all made right because we have God unmerited favour on our lives, but that doesn't make all behaviours right, and that's the thing that we struggle with. And and you know, Peter's pointing out, you know, really in one way and an insightful way that. You know, this is the tension of life and it's the tension of Christian leadership. But Christian leadership has to be held to a higher standard so that when these things happen, there is the opportunity for uh, something to be done. Uh, you won't make it right, but, but there needs to be something done to respond because otherwise then the whole church, not just the individual, is being hypocritical in the way it responds. Peter in Logan, thank you so much for your short but very profound comment. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Carl, let's come back to Carl Lentz, who was leading that church in New York, and uh, perhaps a thought or two around what happened there and uh, how it was handled at a leadership level. And, you know, sometimes the scandal is made worse if things are not handled right by leaders. What are your thoughts around the handling of the Carl Lentz case? Now, let me just say up front, Neil, anything I say on this case is not because I have any inside information or knowledge. It's really just reading press and trying to read press and news reporting wisely, um, which is not, al- not always easy to yeah, do. Yeah. But it would seem that uh, it would seem that Eternity Magazine this past few days has, and that this has been widely reported globally, actually, Daily Mail in the UK, um, magazine, um, New York Times uh, article, uh, and there, there was a, a leaked um, uh, recording of Brian Houston talking to the staff after this happened. And one would, nobody's denied that. I mean, clearly the leak of a recording of a staff meeting and Brian speaking in-house to staff is very poor uh, ethical behaviour. So we're not saying that that was the right thing to do. But nobody's actually suggested that that recording was inaccurate. And, and nothing Brian said in that, from what I've read, would suggest that he was saying or doing the wrong thing. But, but, a couple of, but all I'm saying is a couple of points that come out of that. One is that the point was made that... Um, that it would seem that dealing with Lentz as a leader over a long period of time, while he was enormously talented, he was a difficult person to deal with, in other words, and also a difficult person to bring a complaint against. Um, Secondly, that it would seem that this particular case of an adulterous relationship was not the first. Uh, There were hints of that in the past, and they were pushed under the carpet. We can come back to that. That's an issue. Uh, And then, but the clarity on this is that once... um, Houston and the key leadership of, of, of Hillsong Church knew, believed that this is what was happening. Uh, Lentz was finished um, pretty much immediately, and then, but they didn't actually say why it was finished. Then he came out himself and said, okay, I've had this relationship. And then the lady he had the relationship with, looking for five, 15 minutes of fame and potentially uh, 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 some remuneration for her story um, came out, which is fair enough, which came out and told her side of the story. And it's absolutely clear that that the relationship was 
more. Now, there's been a whole bunch I've of... got to cut in here, Carl, because yeah. we're about to go to news and uh, yeah. we'll hold a thought or two here and can pick up our conversation after news. You were about to make some really important points around talking through the issues of Carl Lentz. Uh, from New York and uh, how that was handled uh, with a confession and and how the leadership handled it. Uh, what were the significant things you were about to share just before the news? Well, the, the, the significant things around this is that a couple of... Uh, what was said by Brian Houston in this audio recording, as I said before the news, that's been released unethically, but nobody's denied that it was a, a true recording. Uh, and one of the things that seems to come out that was two or three years ago and this is really important that two or three years ago there was um there seemed to be a hint that there was some things not quite right with lentz's moral behavior and essentially the people who brought those reports were silenced and sidelined and and pushed aside and it, it goes to the heart for all of us in in christian leadership that often we want to protect the ministry. We want to protect what's happening. We want to protect the leader. And we're more ready to listen to what the leader says than somebody who has uh, an accusation. Now, there, there's been lots and lots of accusations you know, over the years that were simply not true. A good friend of mine in Ireland, I've just had some interaction with, that um, he's been stood down from his ministry from something that has been completely unfounded. But here's the point, Neil they research to find out whether it was founded or not. Now, he will be back in his role, everything will be fine, but pushing things under the carpet never turns out particularly well. And, and in this situation where you grow a huge ministry that's financially important for lots and lots of people, that where the standing of individuals matter a lot, often we, we fail by wanting to protect the person in the ministry role rather than making sure there's not even a hint of sexual immorality or greed or anything untoward within the ministry. And so all of us, all of us need to, to deal with this, Neil. None, none of us walk out of this scot-free. It's not just, okay, if these leaders weren't doing these things, then we wouldn't have a problem. The, the, the problem is not just the leaders. It's the problem around the leaders who enable them to continue with inappropriate behaviour which in the end brings them completely undone. That's not to say it's not the leader's fault, but it's also to say that, that organisationally and the people around them, we all need to be very careful to make sure that we are holding people to account. Now, one of the other things, if I can just keep chatting for a minute, Neil, that has been mentioned is that uh, Carl Lentz apparently was narcissistic in his leadership. And... Narcissistic, narcissistic leadership leaders within Christian organisations exist all over the place. And for those of you who are listening who've never, who might have heard the term and you wonder what it is and you're not sure, um, it's this, 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 uh, there's a kind of a few things that people who are narcissists that tend to function in leadership roles, uh, they, firstly, uh, it's really hard for them to, to recognise that they'll do anything wrong. So they basically deny that they'll do anything wrong. I know of a situation where people come to see them and the person who's coming to see them, and this has happened with Lentz's situation from the articles I've read, when somebody walks into their office and said, look, I've got a problem with this, there's a problem, it turns out that the person who came with the problem 
left leaves feeling like they are the problem because the person in leadership can't kind of accept that they've done something wrong. They surround themselves with allies. They isolate people who are are complainants and they're critical of any person, any feedback that's seen as a personal attack. Now, if you listen to all of that, people who can't see that they've got anything wrong, if somebody complains, it's the person complaining that's the problem, that they only have perceived allies around them and they're close to them and, they, and, and they're very negative about any, any feedback that might be critical, you, all of you, will know people that fall into that category. Well, and it's a great thing to be talking about narcissism and as you describe that profile of the narcissistic leader and there'll be listeners who'll say, well, it's like that in my workplace. Well, yes, there are narcissistic leaders everywhere. And what we're saying here today, Carl, what I can hear uh, in your words is that there are narcissistic leaders who are in church life too. And sometimes that makes things particularly difficult to deal with because they're a difficult to deal with leader. And and so we, we we have some struggle with that. I've been asking listeners to respond to a Facebook question today asking how do you feel when scandals end the ministry of prominent Christian leaders? And uh, there's a whole bunch of comments there. People can respond at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. But Luke says, relieved that they've left the pulpit, but sad that the theology and ecclesiology behind their downfall is rarely looked at. Celebrity pastor worship and placement needs to go and biblical qualifications need to be paramount. So if we apply, that's a great comment, I might say, but uh, I'll get your thoughts here around this issue of narcissism because there are some biblical qualifications that might help leaders to get that back on track. What are your thoughts for that uh, listener uh, who, who made that comment? Well, Luke's absolutely right. You know, and that, he's, really, um, he's really reiterating what I was just saying then, that we, we tend to kind of blame the leader, push the leader out, uh, say that, you know, because of your failure. But what he's saying is that the system that created the leader, um, that, there's some blame there as well. And so if the system doesn't change, the next leader will end up in the same situation. I mean, how come Mark Driscoll gets pushed out for bullying and then almost the person who follows him gets pushed out for bullying him as well? What does that say, Neil? It says yes. there's something wrong with the system that, that that's what you keep coming up with. But, you know, with narcissism and, and, and leaders in general, you know, Philippians chapter 2, the first 11 verses, Therein is the, is the response. You know, not everyone should not look to your own needs, but look to the needs of others. You know, when somebody complains against you, uh, this is not in Philippians two. I'm just, I'm just uh, now talking about another issue. When somebody brings a complaint, you need to look hard in your heart and ask, is that right? Ministry and leadership roles are not about you know creating a platform for yourself it's about serving the kingdom and and all of us need to anybody in leadership anybody on a platform whether you're talking to 10 people or 10 million people the issue is exactly the same you know ministry is not about you it's about jesus (laughs) ministry is not about creating your organization it's building the kingdom of god a a big picture thought here Because sometimes we're thinking that we're talking Christian leaders today and that's just a little subset in the community because we could be talking political leaders or business leaders. But if the church 
and Christian leaders aren't to be any influence. It's the Christian leaders who've got to set the standard here. They've got to run ahead of the pack. This is where politicians and business leaders ought to be taking their cues from how the church leaders are performing, and that's an important element if you get the big picture here, Carl. Yes, it is. And and one one of our one of the problems is that we're struggling with a lot. I think is the whole cultural relevance thing. Um, you know, we we tend not to be Christian leaders who walk around in monks and cassocks, so so that you know somehow standing out is different. We want to relate to the culture, but where does where does relating to the culture reflect the culture, and where does relating to the culture? become collapsing under the culture. And so there, there's this sort of tension point about we need to be the people that are standing for the values of Jesus and therefore that are, are, are uh, exuding a different set of values that are the values of the kingdom of God, not just the values of the community. Neil, I, 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 I'm slightly nervous to go into this subject, but let me just mention it anyway. The comment that you just made about church leaders and community leaders and Christian leaders standing for a different set of values and, and standing out for the values of the kingdom of God, that's become a huge issue around the, the Donald Trump thing. When you have a whole bunch of evangelical leaders in, is seemingly without, to, without a lot of nuance endorsing somebody who is perhaps the world's worst narcissistic leader you know, that that has become very difficult. And I know that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who feel like this has really undermined the place of the church in America when evangelical leaders have endorsed Donald Trump. Now, I know some of those leaders. I know why they've done that. I know that uh, religious freedom and standing against persecution of religious in different places, which Trump has done, I know that the issue around abortion, et cetera, et cetera. I know all those issues about why these leaders have endorsed Donald Trump, but it would seem that the problem is what you were saying, that somehow how do we endorse somebody that, that whose values are so far from the kingdom of God, and that becomes a problem. And it's only, I guess, when we as Christian believers expect our Christian leaders to be above a political yep. ideological position uh, that yep. their actual leadership can be an influence on those who are right. in those positions of very, very significant power. Hey, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take some, and uh, we'll have to be quick about these, but Anne is in Labrador. Hi, Anne. Welcome along. Hi. Um, I think that we should really pray for our leaders and pray that they don't get into that situation where um, they are attempted to do things that are wrong against against the um, against God. And also, if they are and they do come under that, then we need to pray for them that they turn back to God and they repent and they realise what they have done is wrong. And great stuff. A thought from you, Carl, for Anne. Yeah. Absolutely, and thank you. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent thought. You know, we we tend to we tend to spend all our time critiquing our leaders, and we should pray for them. And she's and Anne's absolutely right. Um, but sometimes praying for them also means that we need you know all of us that are in leadership roles need to be challenged now and then. And uh, our prayer ought to help inform us about how that should happen. But uh, yes, pray for your leaders. Anne, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Chris is in Melbourne. Hello, Chris. Welcome. Uh, good day, Neil, and I guess, yeah. Uh, I just want to pick up the uh, speaker on, on the Trump thing. I mean, mm. Christian leaders have to endorse 
someone who people should vote for, and you, you only have two choices. So, you know, if you're going to vote for Satan, well, you've got to vote for Biden. So, you know, whether they like Trump, whether Trump is totally Christian, whatever, like you said, all the values he stands for are Christian. So if you're not going to vote, waste your vote, you have to vote for Trump. And that, that's why they're endorsing him. Uh, also, yes. you said a while ago, you know, we, we all fail. We all know that. But the Bible, James 3.1, also says those who presume to teach should know that they'll be judged more strictly. Mm-hmm. Chris, great thoughts, and uh, yes, it did open a bit of a can of worms, uh, mentioning Donald Trump in the conversation, but uh, you know, Carl, what are your thoughts here for Chris? Oh, look, Chris, you know, Chris is, is, is right. I mean, I've, I've been wanting to say over the last four years, you know, when people have railed against Donald Trump, it's a bit like, you know, people were, were not, people were voting kind of against Hillary Clinton as much as they were de- de- voting for Donald Trump. And in, in this situation, Biden held, holds a bunch of values that Chris and I would agree on that we don't, we don't agree, agree to. And, and in the American system, when you've, you've got two people to vote for and neither of them look like a good option, I'm sorry, I, can, I, I hear what you're saying, Chris. And uh, but my point is that if you endorse unapologetically someone whose values seem to clash in their personal lives and values with the kingdom of God, then we end up in a difficult space. But um, I don't want this whole this show to be about American politics because that would take us down a rabbit hole. We don't want to be, Neil. But, um, but it's, it, it, does, it does go to the heart of leadership, kingdom values, and what we endorse. Chris, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Talkback line still open, 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to, uh, given those calls that we've taken, Carl, uh, we were talking about narcissism in Christian Mm. leadership. Uh, You know, using even the example of what's happened with Carl Lentz, uh, you know, talking about the profile of the leader that didn't, you know, was uh, aloof, uh, standing back and, uh, you know, isolated at the top and uh, pedestalized. Uh, the idea of not really interacting with people at the grassroots level in church. Is there a profile that you, you can point to and say, well, this is not quite right. You've got to make adjustments. Yeah, okay. and I think, and, and that's absolutely right. And I think that, you know, that I, it, as you, it's one of those things that's easy in hindsight, isn't it, Neil? It's easy in hindsight to look back at, at his history over the last five to ten years and go, gosh, there's a lot of red flags there. But they, they, they were pretty clear all that time. So why did nothing happen until everybody crashes? I, I think what's intriguing, there's a guy called David French uh, um, in, a, in an article called In the Dispatch, and he wrote an article about leaders who have not failed, <laughs> Neil, which is a very different take on this. You know, like, okay, here's all the things that make people fail. But what about the people who haven't failed? And he says there are two things that leaders who have not failed do. One is that they don't trust their virtue. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? They don't trust their Powerful. virtue. Yep. And and what he's and he reflects and this is true and this has been a lot of conversation about this about the Billy Graham Modesta manifesto. Now, Billy Graham and he's in oh gosh, it's back in the seventies. Um, sat down with his key leaders, the Wilsons and others. There's only about five of them, um, probably Cliff Burrows, and they came up with a manifesto about how they would function as an evangelistic organisation because they'd seen failure all around them. And they came up with a manifesto of what they would do. And one of the things that Billy Graham said is he would never be alone with a woman that wasn't his wife, ever. 
Now, Mike Pence came out and said the same thing. And interestingly, lots of Christian, I saw numbers of Christian articles that critiqued Mike Pence as if, how dare he say that? And, and they, they missed the point that what Billy Graham was trying to say. And Billy Graham, is, is, is his whole notion is, I'm not going to trust my virtue. I'm going to put, I'm going to put boundaries around my behaviour, even before other people do, to say that it's, it's not like, oh, I'm in this situation, how do, I, how do I stop myself from falling in this situation because I'm now in a nightclub with a woman who's not my wife? Well, what are you doing at the nightclub? That's the whole point, Neil. <laughs> yeah. So don't trust in your virtue. And the second thing is they don't believe they've earned their fame. Now, think about that. They don't believe they've earned their fame. In other words, it's not about them. If they've got a role in ministry, like Billy Graham had, the greatest evangelist, evangelist of the last 100 years, I think, what, what, uh, what is he saying about himself? This is God's ministry. This is the Spirit of God in my life. This is a moment that God has given me. Don't let me mess this up for the kingdom of God. Now, if we all came to, whether it's our small group, our small group, our Sunday school group, our ministry over here, or our international fame, if we come out and saying, I haven't earned this, I'm not entitled to this, I don't own this, I'm a steward of this moment. Now, ah, oh, gosh, if we could do, if we could not trust our virtue and recognize that we don't have a sense of entitlement then, then, then both those things would really help. And, I, and, and going back to what you were saying before, I think I would add, this is my own point, which was a point that you made. People need to remain connected to the people that make up their ministry. Don't just get isolated to your friends, your fans, your family and your staff. This is about everybody. And there'll be uncomfortable conversations. And those uncomfortable conversations are actually really important. Let's take one more quick call. Sven is on the line from Adelaide, South Australia. Sven, welcome along. Hey, sir. Hey, good morning. Hi, good morning. Uh, um, I just one thing that struck me um, in the conversation was the the lack of language around the spiritual dimensions mm. in all of, all of these issues. And I think what what pushed me over the edge to uh, phone was when you mentioned. Um, Donald Trump, I'm sorry, you're going to mm. not yeah. want to talk about that, perhaps. But um, I think that the the fact that the the spiritual discernment in the body is so poor today that people cannot discern um, some of these issues happening and and act on them. And in a similar manner with uh, Donald Trump, I think it's mm. kind of really sh- sh- shocking to many in the in the Christian community that someone cannot discern that Joe Biden does not represent the values of the kingdom of God, even though he may say that he, he does, and that mm-hmm. someone like Donald Trump is more aligned through his actions. And and just mm-hmm. just a point of correction too, I think no one's really uh, endorsing Donald Trump unconditionally. Many Christian leaders who do endorse him are very careful to qualify Yep. their endorsement. Yeah. yeah, look, can I just say, Sven, I, I, I agree with that statement because, and, and you know, you, in, in an interview like this, it's very hard to be totally nuanced in everything you say. There are those who have been very nuanced about what they've said. There are others, well, I won't mention your names, who have been probably a little unthoughtful. Um, but, yeah, that's a fair statement, totally. 
Sven, thank you so much for your call. And time is running out. And uh, just to draw attention to what Sven is saying there, there is a sense, isn't there, and I'll get your thoughts here very quickly, Carl, is that uh, that we need to be assessing policy, not personality, when making our judgments politically. Now, this is an interesting alignment I'll get your thoughts on, is that when we're in church life, we're also endorsing the policies and not always the personality. It's when we start to endorse the personality, we start to create these people on pedestals. But each of our churches is going to have some foundation tenets, uh, those foundation beliefs, and they're coming back to the Bible. And these are the things that we're defending. And yes, there's going to be leaders that are going to come and go. Some will rise and some will fall. But we're going to be committed to holding tight to the things that are going to progress the kingdom of God. A quick thought around that as we tie things up. Yes, totally, and, and you know that—that's what we're about. We're we're about communicating the name of Jesus. We're about building the kingdom of God, uh, and and you know this is where the pol- politics of the U.S. become incredibly difficult. So, do you choose the person who you like or prefer their personality, or you choose the person whose policies will align with your values and policies and what you think are God's values and policies? And that becomes that's become a, a vexed issue over the last little while. Can I change the subject just really quickly before we wrap up yep. as, as a word of warning, Neil? Yep. Just to remind people that, you know, that the spiritual dimension of our relationships in ministry is very potent. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you're praying with somebody, there's a, a level of depth and connection in that moment. If you're counselling someone through a hard time, if you're dealing with pastoral issues... If you're there as a male or a female with somebody of the opposite sex and you're in those intense, deep, personal, spiritual conversations, do not underestimate the kind of, for want of a word, danger in those situations and be very careful and thoughtful. We all have vulnerabilities. And what you're saying, Carl, is... Uh, be aware of your vulnerabilities and hope and ensure that the team around you is aware that there are vulnerabilities and that there might be some protective policies in place that might protect the leader and also the whole church, the whole ministry. Yep. Uh, these are also yep. so important. And coming into a new year, these sorts of things important to talk about now. And uh, and no doubt there'll be lots of questions raised out of a conversation like this. And uh, listeners can uh, can uh, perhaps uh, you know we'll have more conversations like this no doubt into the new year but there's uh, some ways yep. you can vent some thoughts on our Facebook question today and it's a feelings oriented question asking how do you feel when scandals end the ministry of prominent Christian leaders and Carl Fay is just a special honour to you today too for not being afraid to tackle an issue like this because uh, sometimes it's challenging to be able to get your thoughts around and to get out there those things that are going on. But uh, I think listeners will have heard that there is a wonderful biblical basis to the sorts of things we've been talking about today and the way that leaders are formed is very important. And let me just say we need lots more leaders to be raised up from every level in church life. Uh, Carl, no doubt you've got some great things planned for 2021. Normally I like to take a bit of time. Let's take 30 seconds. What's coming 2021, Olive Tree Media, Jesus the Game Changer. Is there something we should be looking forward to? Yes, and, and Neil, we, we should set a date. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not announcing it, but we're actually doing a new series next year. And, uh, and we're going to kind of do a bit of a launch on that late in January. And uh, so it, it'll be based in Australia. 
It'll be very exciting. And uh, when we have our next conversation early in the new year sometime, Neil, I'll tell you all about it. But uh, just to, just for everybody listening, just keep watching Olive Tree Media and we'll announce it soon. I'd, I'd, I'd give you all the details, but um, uh, my team would beat me up for letting the cat out of the bag before we're ready to launch. It's secret for now, but we'll find out at the, the end of January. Look, we will make a, a date and yes. uh, we'll talk yes. about it end of January or into February. But Carl Fays... That would be wonderful. Carl Fays is the chief at Olive Tree Media. The website is olivetreemedia.com.au. Carl, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. It's been a pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.